I didn't turn my cell phone. There I am. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning, and uh, we're going to look at a passage there for a few minutes together. Um, and then we're going to do something just a little bit differently today as well. As we end our You Asked For It series, uh, if you take a look at the sign over here, there's a little sticky note on it this morning over on my left. It says, We Asked For It. And so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Over the last six weeks or so, we've taken questions during this series that you as our faith family have written in and asked to our staff, our elders, uh, and our leadership. And we've tried to address some of those questions. There were a lot that we weren't able to get to. Uh, the decision that we've kind of made is there were so many great questions that were asked, we couldn't take forever to, to answer all of them. But what we want to do uh, over the next year or whatever is that when we have a break between a teaching series or something like that, we may take a couple of weeks and bring back the You Asked For It series and just continue to answer those questions as a way to fill in uh, some of our time between different teaching series and things that we'll do. So we hopefully will get to more of those questions. The other thing that we want to do is to offer an opportunity to continue to ask questions throughout uh, the year. And so uh, anytime you would like to ask a question, we're going to have some of those cards printed up that we originally did about six or seven weeks ago, uh, where you can continue to write into us and let us know what questions you have. And then we'll continue just over time trying to answer as many things as we can when we have opportunities to do that. Uh, but today we want to flip the script just a little bit and take advantage of the end of this series as a way for us uh, to ask some questions of ourselves from the, the leadership of our church, the elders and myself, uh, that we would be able to ask you some questions today. And so uh, it's not like a test or anything, but there are going to be some asks that we make today uh, to our church family and things that we see that God is doing, things that we see that are uh, happening within the life of our church and things that we really want to ask of you to join in and partner with us to continue growing and doing more things that allow us to minister in a way that God has kind of given us to do that. Uh, so, but before we do that, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that will hopefully give us some, some constructive help for what we want to ask today. And that's going to come from Matthew 6 that we'll look at in just a minute. Uh, in Luke, in his gospel, Luke told us in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so when you see Jesus, part of the pattern of his life was that he would withdraw from everything else around him to get away from things and pray. Uh, that he would make it a normal part of his life to engage in prayer to the Heavenly Father. And so when we think about that, if you kind of go, man, if it wraps in your mind a little bit to say, if the Son of God, God in human flesh, felt like there was a need and a priority in his life to get away and spend time consistently with God the Father in order to be filled, in order to be encouraged, in order to have direction for his life, if God's Son, who was God in flesh, felt that desperately a need to pray, then what does it say about us and our need to pray? Because for me, when I'm so convicted of with it, when it comes to my prayer life, is that with Jesus, if Jesus needed to pray and spend time with God, then I definitely need to pray and spend time with God. Because I'm about as far from Jesus as you can possibly get, right? I mean, you can ask my wife, ask my kids. Maybe you shouldn't ask my wife and my kids. Don't do that. But, um, but I, I'm, I'm not Jesus. And yet, if Jesus needed prayer and he needed to seek God's face, then what does that say about us and where we are? Prayer was a consistent part of Jesus' life. He knew the value of time spent in prayer. And so, shouldn't prayer be important to us as well? So you see, not only did Jesus pray, but Jesus expects us to pray. Jesus expects that we'll pray. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, let's just take a look at that together. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, 
this is what the Bible says when Matthew records about Jesus teaching. And in verse 5, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door behind you, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so what you see in this passage is that there are three distinct times that Jesus says, when you pray. That as Jesus thinks about his life and thinks about our lives as followers of his, he says, you should be people who pray. He expects that we are going to be praying. In our normal day-to-day goings about, Jesus thinks that we're going to be people who pray. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Jesus kind of expects that as the pattern of our life. And so we also see in this, though, that there are, uh, in these verses, there are some prayers that God rejects, and we need to be careful about and we need to understand. And so here's what we kind of see in that. Number one is that prayers, uh, public prayers for personal gain. Jesus says, look, don't pray like this. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing on the synagogue, in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. He says, listen, public prayer, there's a place for public prayer, right? I mean, we pray in church. Joey just stood up here and prayed a few minutes ago. I'll pray at the end of this service. There'll be times where we publicly stand and we pray. And yet what he's saying is, is that you have to measure your heart and consider what the motives are behind those prayers. That for these guys, they love to go into the synagogue or stand on the street corners and say all these big, long, flowery prayers that were just to be seen so that people would recognize how spiritual they were. Oh, look how important that guy is. He stands and prays for 30 minutes at a time on the street corner. Like, nobody wants to listen to you pray for 30 minutes, right? Uh, I grew up in a church where it was just like you just dreaded when a few people... Now, when I was growing up as a kid, and I don't know if you had this experience or not, the pastor would call on people in the congregation to stand up and pray at any point in time in the service without giving them warning, right? Anybody had that experience before you grew up in that? Okay, thank you. Not in the same tradition. Okay, so here we go. And so you just knew there was those few people that you were just like, oh, my heavens, if he calls on that guy to pray, we are going to be here until way after lunch. He is going to pray for a while, right? And so Jesus says, listen, that's not what it means to pray. Don't pray for public gain. You get your reward when you stand in front of people and just pray and pray and pray and pray. You've you've been seen by the people you wanted to see you, and you've been rewarded by that. That's not the way to pray. But when you pray, there is a way to pray. We'll talk about it in a minute. The second thing he says is don't pray babbling prayers. And this kind of goes into that same category. Jesus says that some people pray marathon prayers thinking the more they ramble, the more likely it is that they will be heard from God. In verse 7, he says, When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. But don't be like them. So he says, listen, when you pray, don't, don't make it these long, crazy, drawn-out prayers. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. How cool is that? Like, have you ever been in that situation where you've just been like, I know that somebody is, that's close to me knows what I want or what I need. And so when I go to them, I don't have to explain all the backstory. I'm going, hey, I, you know, I was thinking about something that happened to me three years ago, and this unfolded and this unfolded, and now I'm kind of getting to this point. I'm buttering you up to ask the question. I don't have to do that. If I come to my wife and say, hey, I know we've already been in kind of these discussions, and so now I'm ready to ask you this question. Would you like to go on a vacation this summer? 
Like, I don't have to explain all the backstory of how I got to the point that I hoped my wife would go on a vacation with me this summer, right? And that's the same way it is when it comes to prayer to God. Jesus says, listen, your Father knows what you need. How much pressure does that take off of you when you pray? To just go, God, you already know this. And so I'm not going to spend all my time explaining all the reasons why and the hows and the, the what's and all those stuff. God, will you, just, will you take care of this need in my life? I just need you to step up and meet this need. And God knows your need before you ever even ask. See, God's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all of it. He knows everything. And so he knows what you need before you're asking. So when you start praying and start asking God for things or describing to him the situation you're facing, it's not brand new information to him. Right? Like you're not praying and going, God, um, things at work are really bad. He's like, what? are you kidding me? Things at work are really bad? I had no idea. Like God knows. God, I've got this test that I just have not studied for. Oh, no. Right? And so like God knows. You can go to God with your needs. You can go to God with the things that you ask. And he says, you can come to me. So how should we normally pray? If these are the things he says, don't do these things. Don't pray public prayers for personal gain. Don't pray babbling prayers. How should we pray? Well, look at what he says in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your own room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so Jesus says, when you pray, you go into your room, you close the door, you get alone with God, and you just pray. In the same way that the Bible talks about when we give to something, don't let other people know what you're giving to. Just give out of the generosity of your heart. It's not to boast about your giving. It's about doing what God's called you to do. You do that as a way to bless other people. When it comes to prayer, you pray with your door closed. Find a private place and just pray before God. It's a personal interaction with Him. So Jesus says that's how you pray. Now here's what I want to do. I want to take a few minutes as we... um, kind of transition in a few minutes to another part of what we're, we're doing today. But I want to take a few minutes and follow Jesus as he continues. Because we hear Jesus talk about prayer a lot, and we in church talk about prayer a lot. That's not a, a new kind of concept for us to talk about prayer. But something we don't hear a lot about is what takes place at the end of this passage. And so in verse 16, Jesus says this. Let's see if it sounds familiar. We just said when you pray three different times you said that. In verse 16 he says, when you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I don't know when the last time you've heard a message on fasting has been in the church, or if you even are kind of aware of what that is. Uh, But Jesus talks about fasting in the same way he talks about prayer. In fact, this is a parallel teaching of what Jesus believes about prayer. He says, when you pray, do these things. And when you fast, do these things. There's this expectation that fasting is a part of the Christian life. And so when we think about fasting, Jesus says there's, again, some things you shouldn't do. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. And so that word, that idea of disfiguring their faces, the Greek actually means to make invisible. What they would do is um, they would put ashes on their head, and it would make their skin uh, an ashy color, so they almost kind of just blend in with the clothing that they're wearing. And so there's this idea of disfiguring themselves, of putting ashes on. They would wear sackcloth. And it was a way to publicly symbolize as they walked around town that they were fasting. 
And especially if it was a prolonged fast for several days or if they were really hungry, they would do these things as a way to show, this shows how desperately longing I am for food, right? And you're just like dying because you haven't eaten in a couple of days. But you want to let people know, I'm fasting. And so it was this way of saying, look how spiritual I am. They would show physically that they were doing this thing. And Jesus says, listen, when you fast, don't, don't do that. They, they're getting their reward, again, just like the people who pray on the street corners. They've gotten their reward for what they're doing. They wanted people to recognize how spiritual they are. Jesus says, don't do that. When you fast, put oil on your hair, wash your face, right? They didn't have Neutrogena and all that kind of stuff, and so they would use oil on their hair, right? So that's what makes it look good and shiny and clean and fresh. Uh, their hair being disfigured or, or unkempt was another way that they would show that they were mourning or fasting or whatever it might be. And so Jesus says, listen, you keep your appearance up like nothing's going on because you don't need to let the public know that you're fasting and praying. God knows that. So you be in touch with God your Father when you fast. And you approach Him to meet your needs. You're fasting for these various reasons, and so you trust God's going to meet your needs. Don't do it to be seen in public like it's some kind of outward display of your spirituality. And so Jesus continues to talk about this uh, and saying, listen, don't, don't do it this way. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I don't know, we're not doing this whole thing about church of going, if you fast, God will give you all these blessings. It's not the reward system of going, this is how you get God to do what you want Him to do. That's not what fasting is about. But I think that there are ways that God meets our needs. Uh, I will be honest with you and tell you that fasting is probably one of the, the disciplines I do not practice enough and have not over my life practiced enough. But I can tell you that in the times that I have gotten serious with God and, and had a need that I really uh, was asking God's, favor about and I would take time to fast, I have seen multiple times in my life that God has graciously met the need that I had and helped me through a time because I was willing to fast and to humble myself before Him. And that idea of fasting is going, okay, I'm going to take away something that is of value to me, nutrition, food, right? Specifically what Jesus is talking about in this passage, that I won't eat food for a period of time. Why would I do that? Because what it does is it makes me dependent on God. It makes me humble myself before God and go, I recognize every time I have a hunger pain that, God, I'm, I'm dependent on you for all of my needs. And every time that I get hungry during a period of time where I'm fasting, that drives me to pray. And it reminds me I'm supposed to be praying to God. I want to seek God about something significant in my life and ask for his journey, his guidance in the journey. To ask that he will meet me where I am and show me what to do next. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves this morning. There are a lot of reasons that you can fast. But before we do that, let's, let's kind of ask the question, what is fasting? Because I want to make sure we have a good understanding of this. Donna Whitney says this, Fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Richard Foster adds that it's the voluntary denial of normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. So where Donald Whitney and maybe scripturally we would say food is the typical thing you would fast from, uh, Richard Foster would say there are other things you can fast from. I mean, I've done, uh, I've done periods of time where I've fasted from uh, like the Internet or um, from, you know, driving my car, you know, so like that was dumb. That's not true. I didn't, I've never done that one. I have no idea why that popped into my head right there in that moment. It's just like driving my car. I'm going to leave now. Um, there's periods of time where you just go, I'm, I'm going to give this up. 
for the sake of doing something else. With our uh, youth ministry back in Arkansas last year, we asked them to do some, some crazy things. For a week at a time, we'd say, all right, we're going uh, to fast from using um, drinking water like out of your faucets. We had a place in Hot Springs that you could go and get water from the actual hot springs, the natural springs. And so we challenged them to go for a period of time without water and to be grateful for the fact that you could just turn on a faucet and use water. And so we would ask them to fast from something like that as a way to engage with the fact that all over our world there are people who don't have clean drinking water and to engage with God in praying for those needs, which is a way better illustration than not driving your car. And so when we think about fasting, Foster says this. He says it's a voluntary denial of normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity, that there is intense spiritual activity that you're involved in. And that we see there's something that we're asking and begging God to do as we give up something that's of priority to us, that's of need to us. And we say, God, I'll lay this down to use what you've given me for a period of time to seek your face and to ask what you would have done next. And so the last thing that I want us to look at this morning is from Acts chapter 13. If you have your Bibles and want to flip over there, I would love for you to join me and look at that. Acts chapter 13 and start in verse 1, and like I said, there are many reasons you can fast. The Bible offers a lot of different reasons why people fasted. Uh, I want to highlight one today that specifically speaks to the season of life that we're in as a church and why we are about to engage in a period of time where we're going to put an ask out to you concerning prayer and fasting. And so I hope this passage of Scripture puts in some context where we feel like we are. Verse 1, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers, Barnabas, Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So what I love about this passage is that it's during a period of time of prayer and fasting where the disciples and the leaders of the early church get a message from God that says, I've selected two people, Saul and Barnabas, and I want to send them out for my purposes on this journey. This is the beginning of the first missionary journey where Saul and Barnabas are sent out with God in his favor to go take the gospel to the nations. And so when they go, the whole thing is brought about because the they leaders had been praying and fasting and seeking God's direction. And when they did that, God, during this period of time, specifically gave direction for His plans for the future, for how His church would engage with the world. And that's really what we're kind of looking at now as a, as a church. This morning we're talking about this because the elders are going to ask us, ask you to join us for a period of time where we fast and seek God for several big things that we desire to know for the future of our faith family. And so as we think about all that God is doing in our faith family right now here at Grace Fellowship Church, we're asking God at this point to say, there are great things that are going on here, and we see where we've been in the past, and we think we see the direction you're taking us for the future. But for the next period of days, in fact, from the month of September, we're going to ask the church to join us to pray and to fast for 30 days. And that doesn't mean you go without food for 30 days. Most of us would die. So we're not going to do that. But we are going to say that there are periods of time, and again, like the definition that we read earlier, that is a voluntary response to God, that we're not uh, making anyone do this, but we're asking if you would join us to do some things. And we're going to explain the whys and the hows in just a few minutes. But in September, 
we're going to give some instruction and some guidance in how we as a church can pray and fast to seek God. And so what I would like to do now is ask Jeff Presley, uh, our lead elder, to come and join me on the stage. And he and I are going to just talk through a few things with, uh, with you guys as to where we've been as a church, where we see God uh, has us now, and what we perceive God may be doing in the future, and what we want to be praying and fasting about as a way to, um, to ask God to show us what steps we need to take next. So that just like Saul and Barnabas, that we would see there being some response from us, that as we pray and fast, God would say, this is what I want to do next. And so, uh, so Jeff, why don't you share with us a little bit this morning um, that you've been thinking about as we've talked through some of these things, and then we'll just kind of continue in this conversation together. That's the deal. Good, thanks. Uh, and I appreciate you bringing up that passage in Acts because that's such a, a neat picture of how you seek God's guidance. I, so many times in my life when I've, I've sought God, what about this, what about that, it's usually... Is this a good idea to do this or that? But with Paul and Barnabas in that situation, they didn't have missionaries before them. They didn't know about going out. So they just were praying, and God said, this is what I want you to do, not with a purpose in mind, but knowing that God had blessed them, that had revival in that place. Now where do we go? Where do we go from here, Lord? And that's where we find ourselves right now. Um, but to put that in context, I'd like to back up a little bit. I was reminded this week about uh, Joshua. And uh, an interesting thing that he did with the people of Israel back uh, when they entered into the promised land. If you remember, they crossed over the Jordan when it was at flood stage. Uh, so picture a, a big river uh, out of its banks. And uh, the Lord told jo- jo- Joshua that uh, as soon as the priest's first foot hits the water, it'll split and you can walk through. A great, great uh, experiment in faith for the people of Israel. And that's what they did. And as they crossed over, uh, in, in um, Joshua 4, talks about now when all had crossed, the nation had crossed over the Jordan, uh, the Lord told to Joshua, take for yourselves 12 men uh, from the people, one from each tribe, and take up a stone from out of the middle of the Jordan and take it to where you're going to camp tonight. And so they did that, and, and he said, let's stack those stones up and let this be a sign among you so that later when the children ask you, what do these stones mean? that you'll sh- you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan and the, and the waters were cut off. So this, these stones shall be a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Um, I don't know about you, but if I walked across a river that was at flood stage, all of a sudden the ground was dry, I'd remember that. I don't, I don't, you don't have to tell me about that again, that that would stick in my mind. So why in the world would we have to put up stones? Because we do forget. Certainly our children weren't there to experience them, um, but we forget. And so that's what I want to do now is to remember. I want to put up a few stones in front of you. Uh, so let's go back to 2013. Uh, that was a, a rather challenging time for our body at that time. Uh, we had had declining attendance for several years coming into 2013. Our, uh, our cash reserves and our, our bank account had dropped down below $10,000. Um, during that year, our associate pastor uh, resigned in March. Uh, our lead pastor stepped down in July. And there was a lot of uncertainty about what, where are we going, what are we going to do next. And it was at that specific point in time, uh, at least for me, that God showed himself so, so very faithful to us. Uh, the leadership uh, in the midst of crisis sought the Lord. We cried out to him. And he provided some clarity around vision and mission. 
and what we really valued as a body. And all of you, including the people behind the stand over here, were so faithful to stay with us, to, to continue on as a body, as you've been uh, so gifted by God to be a part of this group of believers. And I just want to say thank you for, uh, for hanging with us, for being there through all those times. And God had equipped us. We didn't understand it. We didn't see it at that time. But he had equipped us with so many good parts that we needed, that we would come together as a body and be who we needed to be. Um, whether it's up front where uh, folks on the stage or if it's Jeannie Miller making signs or if it's people in the back working with our kids or, or Alan Cochran weed-eating that massive hill up front. That's a, that's a chore. In the brutal heat. In the brutal heat. Yeah. Uh, each of you, each of you pull together, which just reminded me of Ephesians 4. says, uh, But speaking the truth in love, we are all to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love. And that's what you did. And I am so grateful to God. Um, we were singing this morning, uh, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Thanks, Joey. Because that's what we are doing right now. We want to give him all the praise and all the glory for his goodness to us. And, and we're going to actually have a service here in a few weeks where we just stop and say thank you and remember and, and stack up some more stones and just, and just praise his name. Um, but he continued. <laughs> uh, he continued. He brought Mr. Owen here. And I'm so excited that uh, Phil joined our group <laughs> to lead our worship because not only did he step into a void that we had in terms of music on the stage, but he, uh, he called this guy in Hot Springs and said, hey, they got an open pastor position, and you might want to give it some consideration. And the next gift from God came, and we are so grateful for you, for your family, and what you've done here. It's all by his glory. I know that you would say God did it all, but we want to say God did it all. It was him. Absolutely. Uh, we are here. We, uh, we just finished our fiscal year in the black. Uh, we have, uh, you've seen your bulletin, we're, we're ahead of schedule for the first time in a long time. We have a lot of new faces. I get excited when I see this wad of, of generic youth in this area, younger people <laughs> that, that provide a... Did you call them generic youth? <laughs> it's almost as bad as fasting driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> but just the energy that you guys have brought, whether up on stage singing or helping with the youth, uh, that's been such a blessing to me. Thanks for thanks for you guys plugging in. And I'm sure I'm leaving out some folks. That's not the point. The point is that God has brought every single part of this body together for building each other up in love. And that's what you've done. And so with that moment of thank you, God, we want to do what Paul and Barnabas did. We want to say you've blessed us. Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas been in the midst of a, a revival there in Antioch. And, and things were going great. But they said, you know, okay, what's next, God? Let's pray. Let's fast. Um, and they did yet another phase of what uh, the spreading of the gospel back was in Acts. And so that's, that's what we want to do now. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many great things that are happening here, just like Jeff said. And In fact, we had a conversation earlier this week that you were curious about, and I think we should do a test run on this. Okay. So um, if you were not here worshiping at this church 
How, how far back do you want to go? You want to go? Let's go back to 2013. Okay. If you weren't here in 2013, would you just raise your hands? Like you're new to our church family since 2013. Wow, a lot of you. That's amazing. Uh, how about just in the last year? Just last in the last year, a lot of you. Yeah. That is pretty amazing. We started talking about just what God has done in bringing people to our body. And knowing that when God brings people here, it's not just to participate in a worship service, but it's to plug in and serve and engage in church life and in our community to take the, the message of the gospel to our community and to the world beyond that. And so uh, so it's really a cool time in our life. And another thing to celebrate, uh, like, like you said a few minutes ago, the fact that giving-wise that we're in such an amazing place, uh, we know that that God's got his hand on some things that are taking place here and seeing just that, that the church body as a whole is behind that. So with all of those things said, though, there are a, a couple of asks that we would like to put out this morning. Uh, and so, Andy, do you have those cards? I need to get one of those um, so that I can remember. I should have had one on stage with me. Um, but there are a few things that are taking place in the life of our church. Oh, Brian's got one right here. Thanks, man. Um, there are a few things that are taking place in the life of our church that we want to ask you to help step up and, and join us in fasting and praying about God for. One is this. You know that for the last uh, eight months or so, I guess, since February, uh, we had a, a pretty decent flood that happened here in our church, and we've made reference to the boiler system being down. And uh, the air conditioning works great. It's often freezing in this building, but the heat does not work at all. We do not have any heat. And when it gets cold again this fall, we've, always, we've kind of been going, what are we going to do when it gets cold again? We've been talking with the Moose Lodge who owns this building. We rent from them. We have for the last eight years, eight plus years. Uh, and so here's what we know as of right now. Tomorrow morning, a check is going to uh, an a air system company, and the unit is going to be paid for by the Moose Lodge. The, word, the unit will be ordered and installed ASAP, and in the next few weeks, we believe that the entire system will be completely done and up and running and ready for the fall and winter months, that there will be heat in the building, and that is a good thing. That's a praise to God that, uh, that we have been able to see this journey kind of come full circle. Uh, really, really cool. We've been praying because, in all honesty, there were times during the last year that we've kind of gone, are they just going to kind of try to put a Band-Aid on this thing and hold it together? Are they going to replace it? What's it going to look like? They are putting in a brand new system, top to bottom is what we understand. Uh, and so we are going to have a, a, a heating and cooling unit element in this church that should last for the next 15 plus years as they we'll be installing that and putting it in. So great praise there. Yeah, but just um, as God blesses, think about yeah. it. If that had not busted up, we wouldn't have the clubhouse. We wouldn't have that's everything true. that's yeah. back there. That's true. All of the renovations that took place for the G2 kids. So all of those things are, are amazing. Um, however, along with that, uh, there are two things primarily that are big things that we need to ask you to join us in praying and fasting about. And then we're going to get into some of the smaller detail things in just a minute. Uh, the two things, number one, as I've mentioned, the boiler. Uh, even with a new replaced unit, we are starting to see um, that there's a need for us as a church family, we feel like, or the elders' leadership as we talk, that we would not see ourselves continuing to just be renters of a building space three years from now, four years from now, five years from now, whatever that may be. We are starting to ask you as a church family to join us in praying about the future that God has for us. Whether or not that would be that we would offer to purchase this building to become owners of this location, or if God would lead us to purchase another place, another location that we would move our church to be. Uh, or if God would have us as we pray and fast and ask him if he would lead us to say, continue to rent here for a little while. We know that, that he has something in play. We don't know exactly what that is. But God has a long-term plan for our church. 
And so what we want to do is by the end of September, as we pray and seek and ask God what His direction is, our hope is, is that God will show us what's next so that we can use this next year with the Moose Lodge fixing the, uh, the boiler system, they've asked us to enter into a one-year agreement with them for lease. For those of you who don't know, we exist right now on a month-to-month agreement that we're going to be in this building. If we were to leave, we would give them a 90-day notice that we're leaving. If they were going to kick us out, they would give us 90 days to make arrangements. They're asking us now to abandon that, one-year, that month-to-month lease to, to do a one-year lease. Because of the amount of money that they're spending to put in this new system, they would like some assurance that we're going to be here for a period of time, that they'll recoup some of that cash flow that they're putting out. Uh, which makes perfect sense. And as leaders, we agree that that's the thing for us to do. However, we want to pray during September because with entering into a new one-year lease, we want to have a year's period of time to know if God directs us to do something different for the future, we have a year to make those plans, to ask the church to give toward a capital campaign, whether it's to buy this building or another location or whatever that might look like. And so we're going to pray and fast and ask God to show us what to do. And we want to ask you to join us in doing that. Um, the second thing that comes into this building in play is the fact that we're growing. I mean, you can look around the room, and actually today we're fewer in numbers it looks like than what we've been the last few weeks. Uh, but our attendance has been growing. And so we're starting to, to ask God to show us when is the right time that we may add a worship service to this body, this location, so that we can, again, make room for more people to come. That the idea of increasing a worship service potential is that there's more opportunity, more place for people to come in and be here. And so we're starting to ask God, and we would ask you to join us in praying for that as well. God, what should we do moving forward? Is it, is it okay for a period of time to be in this one room with all of us? Is it time to start opening up some of that opportunity to invite more people in, to be able to have the space to increase our capacity here? What does that look like? And so we're praying and asking God over this next month, what would it look like for us to open our door to a second worship service? Uh, and so what would that look like for you in your involvement with our church? Because with more worship services comes more volunteer opportunity. In children's ministry, as ushers, as uh, service, people who help get coffee and all those kinds of things done between services, there's a lot of opportunity that comes from that type of, of offering. And so we would ask you to seek God's face about what should we do and when, and what would your role be in that. All right? Can I leave anything out in that? No, that's good. I would just, I would just add... God has brought us this place not just to stop here. Yeah. All those hands didn't go up just as for no reason. Sure. We're trying to seek what that reason is. We're not trying to say, oh, good, we're going to go do blank because we want God to lead it. We want him to be all in the midst of that. And yeah. So that's where I, the first step, uh, let's, let's ask him. Let's find out what that is and, and what your role is. And we're not asking anybody to be overwhelmed. That's the purpose of a body. Each part supports each other. Each part pick, picks the other part up. We rejoice together. We, we mourn together, yeah. and together we can really grow. Yeah. Yeah, and so with that, so the, the first two things, the uh, year in this building, praying and asking God what's the future of the direction of this church for location. Second thing, praying about more service opportunities. And then the third thing is we have just, as, as Jeff stated, we've just started a new budget year. Uh, the budget this year is about 10% above where we were last year because of ministry needs, because of things that we project, because of things we see. You're welcome as a church body to request uh, a, a breakdown of the budget. Uh, you can see the total number on the back side of your bulletin. It should be listed there what our annual budget will be. Uh, it's an increase of budget this year in giving. And so one of the asks that we put out there for you is, again, that you as a church family would step up and continue to support the ministry and the direction and the future of our church through giving to the budget. And that you would seek your place in, in doing that. What's your role as an individual person? 
and what you would have God lay on your heart to give, to contribute to the budget needs that we have as a church body. And as we do that, that we continue to grow and, and see God bless and move forward. Um, the New Testament talks about grace giving, that there's a way that we give uh, in, in correlation to what God's blessed us with. It doesn't put a dollar amount. It doesn't put a percentage amount. It just says that you give to God out of the generosity of your heart from what you've been given by Him. And so we would just ask you to be praying about during this next month, what is it that God would have me do on a weekly or monthly or consistent basis to support the general budget of our church as your tithe uh, to, to God in His church? And so that's the, the third kind of big ask that we're putting out there. Uh, the other thing, I'm going to ask our ushers, those of you who have pieces of paper just like this that Brian helped hand to me a minute ago, if you guys will hand some of these out, I would appreciate it. Because the way we want to end today is by giving you something to look at as a church family to say, all right, there are more opportunities in this body to serve and to, to move and to belong. And what might some of those things be? And so I want to go through just quickly because we, we're going to be closing our service up in just a minute. Um, but this basically just says God is blessing the GFC faith family. To carry on growing church life, we need your help. In the coming weeks and months, we'll be adding to and forming new teams. Now, some of these things already exist. Some of these things will be new. We're not even necessarily ready to launch them like next week. We're talking about we're looking for ways to get new things beginning here and started here. And so there are a few things that we want to make sure we mention that would be places that you can serve if you feel like God is directing you and prompting you to serve in these places. Some of you come in every week and go, I would probably do something if I knew what there was or somebody asked me. And we just often don't know what you would be passionate about doing or what your skill set is. So sometimes we don't ask and sometimes you don't tell us. Uh, and so we don't really always know how to plug people in. So this is kind of a way for us to ask and for you to tell. And so um, here are some places that we have need and you can see on the, on the list uh, for ushers in our worship service, uh, for guest services, those people who are our Front greeters, when people come in, these are warm, smiling faces. We love you if you're energetic and smiling and all those kinds of things. Get services. Our G2 ministry for preschool and elementary school, that you would be able to serve in that. And even up into our, our high school ministry, junior high and high school ministry, uh, to serve in G school, uh, G school, G2 uh, for preschool. Uh, and then building and grounds, that there are things like, like Jeff mentioned earlier, Alan does most of our mowing. And, and your son was here this past week to help. And Jeff and his son helped some this, this, uh, summer when he was home from college. And, but there are needs that we have. It'd be great if, if Alan had a team of people that he could call on and say, hey, this week is your week to take care of the building and grounds or your team. And he doesn't have to do it week after week or month after month. So if you know how to drive a lawnmower, that would be awesome. You know, a weed eater, bring it, right? So come up here. Uh, this will be a great place for you to plug in and serve and let us know you would be interested in helping with that. And again, it's not something we're asking you to do every week, but maybe you can give once a month to help with that. Let us know what your availability is. Uh, security. This is something that we don't currently have. We kind of utilize our ushers in some ways, but uh, I've been talking with some, some people behind the scenes about what it would look like to have uh, a sense of security on our campus, that there are people who are in the parking lot or in the facility that we know would be uh, trained in some way. We're blessed uh, to have the, uh, the chief of police as a part of our, our church here, and he has uh, said that he would help us to train some people in some easy, simple ways, but just to know what to look for and what to be alert for and those types of things. And so we're blessed in that. But if you would be interested in being a part of security, uh, if you think you're Barney Fife and you want to be on a security team, <laughs> come on, I guess. Um, <laughs> we'll keep your bullet, but you can be here and that'll be helpful. All right. Um, 
there's also need in tech ministry, our worship ministry team, the, the kitchen. We, we serve about 300 meals a week to the homeless, and so we need people that can help out in that. We're always looking to grow that. Uh, prayer. We have a prayer ministry team, but there's some new things that I'd like to see done where we pray together over worship services and before services where a team of people comes in and just really prays over God's blessing over this meeting space and over our worship leaders and those types of things. And so if you're interested in being a part of a prayer team, uh, hospitality, where we do events like yesterday, we hosted 17 people for discovery class yesterday. And we had really one or two people that were just kind of in charge of all of that, doing all of that, the setup and the food and all those kinds of things. And it would be great if we had a hospitality team that could help with those events. Last week we had the, the pleasure of doing baptism. Uh, and just a couple of us were the ones that ended up taking everything out and setting up and doing all the work behind the scenes for baptism. A hospitality team could help with those types of things. We would love to see if you have a gift of just serving in hospitality, that's your heart, your passion. We would love to utilize you in some of those ways. Um, and then Helping Hands, which is our, uh, not just men's ministry, anybody can be involved in that. Tommy Taylor, Tommy, raise your hand and wave at people. Uh, he would love to be able to plug people in where there are needs, ways to serve here in our church and in our community to help repair things or do things for people to meet needs. And so Tommy has a heart and a passion for that, but he needs a team to join him in doing that. Tommy gives countless hours doing things, and a lot of time. He's, he's on his own to do that. And we could use people who just say, I can volunteer time, I can swing a hammer, I can help out, I can use a chainsaw, whatever that might look like. Because we're all about cutting stuff down, aren't we? Um, so, uh, so if you can help in those ways, or maybe there's others, two ways to respond, and then we're going to close our service up today. Two ways to respond. One, you can go ahead today and circle some things you're passionate about that you might see God really leading you to be a part of. And then checking on there. I can enjoy leading a team like that. Where I would enjoy just volunteering on a team like that. And let us know where we can help start to plug you in as it's available now or when it becomes available in the future or as we get those things started. The other thing that I would say do is, is instead of doing this today and filling this out today, make this part of your 30 days of prayer when we start that in September. That you would say, God, what is it you've, you've gifted me to do? What is it I can use my gifts and talents to serve your church body? How do I join in with what you're doing? And as we pray and we fast, ask God to show you. Where is he launching you out to do and serve in his church and in our community at large and in the world at large? And so see what it is that God may be prompting on your heart. And it very may well be that there's things that aren't even on this list. We understand that a lot of these things don't even touch some of our core values of being externally focused. I'm saying, what is it God would have you do in the community, in the world, to, to really be a light to the world and to use your gifts in that way? We would love to, to see you serving in those capacities too. So that would be my challenge to you, to let us hear back from you. Where can you fit in? Where do you serve? Where can you do those things? Okay? Um, but those are our asks today. Do you have anything else? Anything no, I left that's out? Great. No, that's, that's, I, would, I would just want to say once again, thank you for all of you who are already doing that. I mean, it's not like yeah. none of those things weren't being done up right. to this point. And to, yeah. to all of you, thank you very, very much for serving the Lord in the ways that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Well, here's how we're going to close our service today. Uh, you guys have another song? We'll close with a song. I'm going to pray, and uh, as the band comes back up and, and leads us in song, um, as they're singing, you, you'll be dismissed. You can, you can exit out as we sing together. But uh, I just want us to pray together as a church this morning and seek God's face and ask for His favor. Uh, thank you for what you do. We love you. Uh, you're family to us. You really are. Uh, we are so thankful for what God is doing here at Grace Fellowship Church, and we believe that this is just the starting point uh, of what God desires to do for the future. And so uh, as we pray this morning, 
let's just ask him to show his favor and show his direction to us as a church. And then over the next few weeks, you're going to get more instruction about ways that you can pray and seek him. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we trust you. We love you. And it's because of you that we're here. Uh, Even the song that we sang earlier, it's all because of Jesus that we're alive. You are the God who has created us, who has sustained us, who gives us life and breath and meaning. And so we bow to you, God. And my prayer as this church body moves forward is that we would seek after you and that we would be consumed with finding out your direction and your, your plans for your church. This is not our church. These are not our plans. We want to do what you say. God, even if that means that there may be some of us who have some preconceived ideas of what you want to do. and We've already figured out where we should be and what we should do with this building or another building or a different location. And, and yet, God, as we genuinely pray and ask that you show us, Father, it may be that you ask us to yield to putting our preconceived ideas away in order to bow to your desires. And so, God, I pray that you would give us the ability to listen to your voice, to listen to your spirit, and to be brought to a place where we will obey you and follow you, regardless of where you lead us. Thank you so much for your love for us, God, and for your heart. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're singing this morning,